so today on the podcast we have Alyssa Langonia she played with me for a little bit in Cyprus when I was playing Champions League shortly after college you've been nearly everywhere I feel like you've played in what England Switzerland Italy Cyprus and now you're in Switzerland right full-time back in Switzerland yeah yeah and you're so but you're from Canada so not too far from us here in the states um (laughs) and been playing for quite a bit um and also have done some like other work stuff while in your career and now you're back finish your master's and playing again um I guess to start like just because we're in the states like what's your experience been now with COVID like how is it over there what have you been up to is it are you guys quarantined or what's the situation in Switzerland yeah, so actually my current situation is a little more complex than one might think. So I live in France um, okay. on the border to Switzerland because so my club put me up in this apartment here when I first arrived. It's it's easier, it's cheaper, it's more convenient for them and for me. So I live in France just across the border, but France has much larger restrictions and regulations in place due to COVID than Switzerland does. In Switzerland, the general public tend to follow rules and abide by the guidelines given by the government, whereas maybe in France it's not quite the same, so they've put those measures in place. So I feel quite isolated out here uh, on my own. There's no other teammates around me or friends that I know in the area, so, and I can't cross the border. So. It uh, makes it quite limiting. However, I have a full-time job also with UEFA. So after I graduated, I came here first to play for Servette in Geneva. Um, I thought that it was a good opportunity for me to kind of come out of the masters thinking that I wanted to play again, but I also wanted to advance my off-field career and use what I just learned in my masters as well. So I thought Geneva was a great place to kind of start and start looking for opportunities off the field as well. And the club was a great way for me to get in the area and get in the door and feel comfortable and also get to play again because I missed that for the year that I was studying. And so, yeah, uh, shortly after I arrived, I applied for this position at UEFA and uh, and I, I got the job. So I work in women's football as the assistant to the unit. And I work full time at home from from home on on this. So it keeps me quite busy, plus working out every day and trying to keep up with family and friends. I mean, I I find myself my days passing quite quickly, which is which is great. But um, yeah, quite uh, a complicated situation. Yeah. Um, So let's let's go back a little just to give people more context. So your journey. (laughs) Um, so you grew up in Canada, went to school in Canada, you had, you know, even played in the national team with Canada for a bit. And then once you could become a professional, you decided to go overseas, which I think a lot of people in the States don't realize that a lot of majority of girls don't actually play in the NWSL. They end up going overseas to some other country. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Kind of talk about that transition and, um, was that challenging at first, you know, being so young and having, I think, what was it England your first spot or, or yeah. just kind of having to be by yourself, you know, you, you kind of leave your home, which is far away and, and have to kind of immerse yourself. England, at least they speak the language, so 
was a little bit easier maybe, but um, yeah, how was that first experience going overseas? Yeah, exactly. England, England was a strategic uh, choice in that regard. Um, I wanted, so, so in university, um, one of the reasons why I stayed in Canada and played was because my coach was very well known in our community, who's also an agent for a lot of men. Um, and he always said, like, come play for me. And afterwards, you know, I'll help you get overseas. I'll help you get like a professional career in this. And, you know, you never know where you could go afterwards. So that always appealed to me. And I took him up on his offer come my senior year. And so we worked on, you know, my game tape. And I got an Italian passport in the meantime due to my... Helpful. You know, family background, uh, which helps a lot. So those those who are looking to go to Europe, I mean, if you can reach back into your family history in any way and get, get a European passport, it helps a lot. Um, but yeah, so so we spoke to to different clubs um, in England, and I guess it started as a trial. So we spoke to them um, via Skype one day in my in the office of my coach uh, we spoke about very a very limited amount of things and items i said yeah i'm gonna come for a week i'll try out and see what happens i packed a bag for a week and stayed for a year <laughs> they liked me um i stayed in a hotel though so my experience in england wasn't as glamorous as one might think so i stayed in a hotel which was about half an hour from um, where we were training, half an hour from the city that I was in. I was in Doncaster playing for Doncaster Bells. Uh, so it's a Northern town, not maybe the nicest of places. I was put kind of in the middle of nowhere with a few other foreign girls, foreign girls as in, you know, from uh, maybe Ireland or also another Canadian. So we were kind of stuck out there. I had one meal a day paid by the club at the hotel, but the other two meals I had to fend for myself, but I didn't have a kitchen in my room. So I ended up boiling eggs in my tea kettle and getting a mini fridge for some yogurt and fruits and whatnot. I'm so glad we had the same experience because that was my experience in Norway. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It was certainly not, you know, what you think when you think of, uh, you know, professional footballers life. I had to get two other jobs. So, uh, I mean, the pay wasn't enough to survive out there. So I was working as a coach in schools um, alongside one of my coaches. And um, I was also uh, a beer and shot girl in a nightclub <laughs> or a cocktail, a, a classic a grind, cocktail. Man. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that was a great experience because that was, that was my outlet. That was my way to meet new friends, new people outside of the football world. Um, I was able to connect and um, kind of find a bit of a social life that way, not in a negative way, but a very positive way. And uh, I was able to find a little bit more sanity in my life out there. Um, yeah, so after that, I, I, I experienced, I kind of learned everything that I didn't want in a, in a club and in an experience in that in my professional footballing career. So right. I learned from it, which is great. Yeah, so I think you bring up a really good point about um, 
you know, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm going to play in Germany or England or, and, you know, right yeah. away you think of like London and the night scene or like yeah. all the big tourist spots. And oftentimes many of us are playing in very small cities that maybe don't have many people or, you know, don't speak the language and whatnot. So um, talk about kind of, I know just from my experience with you that you, so you ended up going to England and then you went to Switzerland and had time in Italy as well. And um, I think what's so fascinating about you is that you played, but you were so good at immersing yourself to kind of have, cause you know, soccer, soccer can become so consuming if that's all you do, like anything else in your life. And um, you speak both um, Italian and German, right? Am I mm. right? Correct. And so you, you really made, I mean, again, you made it kind of a culture experience as well as um, immersing yourself in other activities outside of just the sport. Um, what kind of gave you the courage to do that one? Um, and also just like, what's your advice for people that kind of are in these situations or thinking about it and, and need help kind of finding the little things that kind of make your experience much better in a smaller place? I... A hundred percent agree with that. I um, I think that immersing yourself or trying to integrate yourself into the culture around you is the best way to make your experiences as fulfilled as possible. So when I moved from, I think I kind of learned a little bit about that when I had that bartending job uh, in England. It, it was about halfway through my experience there and I realized, you know, okay, this this helps. I need to find ways to connect with the community outside of football and make friends outside of this world. So I moved to Italy next and I decided I needed to learn the language. And so I went to school three times a week um, in a faraway school um, on my own every day uh, to learn the language. And then we kind of found some friends through one of my teammates who was dating a guy who knew a guy. And then these, these, um, people ended up, this group ended up being some of our closest friends. We still keep in touch today. Uh, and, and that really helped again from the, the lifestyle and the, the experience. So I, what I try to do when I move to all these different places is not only, you know, get to play great football, but try and learn as much as I can. So learn a language, learn the culture, uh, meet new people. And that really, I think it really makes everything that much better and that much more worthwhile. Right now, actually, uh, I tend to struggle a little bit in learning French. So everything around me is French and I don't have necessarily the time now to to really learn the language because of my other job. So my job is in English, but my teammate, teammates and everything to do with my team is all in French. So I find that there's quite that disconnect right now. And I, although I'm trying to close this gap, it's um, it's definitely uh, I, I definitely feel the barrier that is created because of the language one and to, you know, it's a different kind of scene where the girls are more local. It's less of an international scene compared to some of the other clubs that I've played for. So, so they all have their own separate lives, their own families and friends and whatnot. So it's not as much of like a team that's, you know, united in that sense. We're very much a, 
a cohesive unit and we have a lot of fun together, but at the same time, you know, we'll have different lives. Whereas some of the teams I've played for, we come from all over the place. We end up living in the same areas. And so that kind of helps in terms of, you know, integrating and, you know, making friends that way, you know? Yeah. I feel like people also, the assumptions always, you know, English is the universal language, but I was shocked as well. You know, you go to some of these teams, you may be the only person that speaks English beyond the yeah. manager or the coach or whoever. And you can get through that through soccer, I think, in certain ways, but it can definitely be hard in the social life when you're kind of trying to be a part of the group, but also not really understanding what's going on. And um, I think, I know for myself, that's actually something on my quarantine bucket list. I want to get back into Greek and, and really yeah. learn it and, and not just understand parts of it. And I think it's hard sometimes because like, I don't know why, but sometimes the mentality for me is like, oh, I'm too old. Like I can't do it. But then I think of someone like you and I'm like, you really immerse yourself in something and, and push yourself to speak. Um, you can do it. Um, but you, you know, you've had so much success. You've won a bunch of championships, played in the women's champions league and, and things of that matter. So you have a lot of experience from the international side. What made you um, want to pursue this FIFA masters, which you know, I actually did a lot of reading afterwards and it sounds like an incredible program where you get to um, kind of get this degree from three different universities around Europe. And um, obviously it's given you a nice opportunity with UEFA. Um, what made you pivot and also realize that you didn't have to necessarily give up your passion through the process? I mean, obviously you had to take a break, but what was, um, what kind of motivated you to try to do that? And then what gave you the courage to to say, you know, okay, I've done this, but I still want to pursue my passion after the fact. Yeah. Um, so I learned about this program maybe five years ago uh, when I was in Switzerland. I kind of bumped into someone. It just kind of happened by chance. And when this person explained it to me, I fell in love instantly. I thought, wow, what a great program. One day, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Like if I have to retire from football at some point in my career, you know, I'm going to do it by doing something that can help me pivot, like you said, into sport, but in an off-field type of position or career path. And I always thought that this would be the perfect opportunity for me. I loved it because, like you said, you know, you learn from three different universities and three different parts of Europe. So we go from England to Italy to Switzerland, kind of the same path that my football has taken me on. And um, so uh, at the time, you know, I'm getting older and uh, I was playing in Cyprus. I was, we just finished Champions League. We just got kicked out of Champions League. And uh, this, fun. And, thing. <laughs> yeah. Swedish champs kicked us out and we were, starting our season in Cyprus and we were killing every game and we were just destroying these like 15 year old girls. And I was just saying to myself, what, like, what am I doing now? Okay, I'm in Cyprus, I'm having a great time. I'm living near the beach. Um, I'm, I'm not learning a language because there's no way I'm gonna try and grasp Greek. <laughs> like there's no way. And everyone in Cyprus speaks English. So I was like, there's no way I'm doing the language thing. And so I decided maybe I could um, do some kind of masters. And I was actually looking into an online master 
in Cyprus. Um, and then I, I got in, I, I applied, I got in, I, start, I started the first week of class and I realized this is not what I want to do. I dropped out immediately and I was just like, no, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. I want to do something that really I'm passionate about. And I applied for the FIFA master. And I said, if I get in, great, I'll retire and I'll pursue it. If I don't get in, then no big deal. I'll keep playing and see what happens next. Find another team, whatever. But it ended up that I got in. So, so yeah, I, I went for the plunge and, and, and dove right in. And what made you want to play after? Because I guess your plan was to retire, but now obviously you're still playing, so. Yeah, so I think, well, um, in the master, you are split into groups to, to work on your final thesis that you, that you do throughout the whole, the whole year. And our group decided to do ours on the professionalization of women's football. And obviously over the last year, women's football is just on this like amazing yeah trajectory forward you know we're like you are seeing all sorts of records broken in attendances and you know we we're building up to the world cup and you know it's very exciting time um and after doing so much research on the topic and you know playing with the guys in the master you know we would play every a couple times a week i play with the boys and then you know, I was killing them. And <laughs> I was like, I miss this. Like, I miss a competitive atmosphere. I miss, you know, that like sense of purpose and that sense of, you know, team unity and like achieving this goal together. And, uh, and I, and I thought that there was still opportunity for me. I was still healthy and fresh and willing and I missed it and so at, at this at the same time I have to be honest because I was also looking for jobs during the master and I wasn't finding anything um, I wasn't finding anything I liked or I wasn't maybe secure in my actual work history and my my resume, my resume is great in the football world. It's got a lot of clubs that I've played for, you know, it's impressive in that sense. But when it comes to actual jobs and actual work, I don't have any experience. So it was, it was hard for me to see how I could transition and see how like this could be. And I think I had some doubts and lost some some confidence there, um, especially around such a such an esteemed group with, you know, everyone in the master has tons of experience. They're from all over the world, you know, these 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 amazing people that I'm surrounded by. And I think I kind of um, I was a little bit hard on myself, I think. And I knew what I knew. I know football. It's what I know. It's what's gotten me where I've I've been in my life. So it was kind of the easy option. I thought it was how I could help tra myself transition in, in a sense as well. Like I wanted to be able to feel comfortable and confident, but then also able to challenge myself. So yeah, I went for Geneva. I went for Servette. It was an easier option in the sense that, you know, Switzerland's a great league, but it's maybe not the most competitive uh, it's a semi-professional team so 
we only train in the evenings and play on the weekends. So I think, um, yeah, I missed, I missed it. I definitely miss playing, but I, it's also, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do when I graduated and it was something that was just sitting there for me as an opportunity. So I wanted to take it and it ended up being the best decision ever because uh, it got me also to this job in UEFA and we've actually qualified for Champions League due to these Corona um, restrictions. Um, our league yeah. was canceled a couple of days ago. Uh, so we're not going to finish the season, but we finished first. We were on top of the table. So uh, we will be going to play in the Champions League next season. <laughs> so there's well, that's uh, really exciting. Yeah, so there's a lot of positives and silver linings. So hopefully, um, yeah, it, it all continues to work out. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you bring up a point about, for me, what it sounds like is like mentality, I think. Um, unfortunately, just because of history and barriers, you know, we don't have these millions of dollars that fund our lives and can set us up for years beyond sports. So I feel like yeah. many of us are constantly always considering what's next. I know for myself, um, I almost wish I had gone to Europe a little later in my life because I think if I were be playing now, I could have handled the situation much better and immersed myself more. And I felt like I was too young to be far away like that um, in my experience. But I think also it's like, because that's all you know, it's very hard to transition out and have confidence. And, and I know for me, that's been something challenging yeah. is like going back to school or getting my first job out of it. It was like kind of constantly having to prove to myself that I could do it because I knew I could play soccer. You don't get yeah. to that level if you can't. But um, yeah, I guess talk a little bit about like how you've kind of kept a positive mentality through all of it, because obviously Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of, unless you have the funding, which is great, but I think oftentimes people don't have the time to kind of sit. And like you said, right, like things were not necessarily looking positive right away. And we, you know, you need money to survive. So mm -hmm. sometimes it is easier to kind of sit, put, play a little and see what happens. Um, so just talk about mentality a little bit, because I feel like that's more or less what I'm hearing from you is just like kind of ebbs and flows with that, but kind of keeping a narrow minded approach in terms of like, something will happen. I just have to stay positive through the process. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think my whole career, I've been quite positive and just, you know, take it as it comes. Opportunities will arise. Just be patient. You know, things will move. I mean, in this world, especially in between teams, in between seasons, as you're approaching maybe April, May, June, this is a time when your one-year contract, usually all of us have one-year contracts, they start to expire and you're thinking, okay, what's next? What do I do? Do I stay here or do I try and find something else? Do I get an agent or do I get a new agent? Do I keep my current agent? Like what's, what's happening in your head? How does this work? You know, there's so much turnover in this industry, this women's football industry because of you know, limit, limits on what we actually get in terms of contracts, in terms of money, in terms of whatever. So you, you know, because you're not getting so much, you don't want to commit yourself so long. So again, these kinds of times of the year are always quite stressful. And, um, and I think 
I just try and be as patient as I possibly can because something will happen. Something does come up. Um, uh, and in university, it was no different. I, I, I was coming to about this point because the season ended or graduation happened in July. And, uh, and come April, May, I'm thinking, shoot, what's next? Like, what, like, really? That's me currently. Jobless and I, graduating in four what weeks. Am I gonna, <laughs> what am I going to do? Andrew, with a pandemic. 19. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, pandemic, living at home. It's just like a dream over here. But anyway, keep going. I sorry. Mean, kind of a dream. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. Sorry to, to butt in, but it's funny. I keep talking to no, some of my yeah. classmates and they're like, you know, it's kind of like there's less pressure because if you find a job, it's almost like hitting the jackpot. Like yeah, it's not exactly. supposed to happen. So where like yeah. before when there was so many jobs, everyone was like, your confidence starts to get knocked when you get like those rejection letters and you're like, oh gosh, like is my resume good enough? What not? But yeah. um, yeah. It's just an interesting time. <laughs> and I guess it's nice that you can work remotely though. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's isolating. And um, actually on the topic of isolation, um, talk a bit about that as well, because, you know, I think you've been good at with languages and stuff of that matter, being able to kind of escape that in a way. But I think what many don't know is, you know, playing overseas because there is barriers to language and you're not in an overpopulated area. Oftentimes um, isolation is, oftentimes a huge reason why people stop playing um, because mm. you're just used to going from like your family environment. So how, how have you managed that over time? I mean, you've been in so many different environments, I'm sure some better than others, but how have you kind of managed um, keeping yourself away from feeling like you're alone all the time, I guess. It's a simple way of saying it. Um, that has really never occurred to me until this pandemic. Or, well, yeah. until moving to France. I mean, so over my career, uh, I mean, maybe in, maybe in England when I started off, but again, I had a, a few close teammates who also lived in the same area. And as I, as I moved through the, my life and my career, I always had close teammates who lived close to me. So they became best friends and, and that always helped. And that, that always distracted me from, you know, missing the family or missing my home or missing, you know, friends from back home. So these kind of relationships always were my kind of saving grace and my second families and, you know, it evolves and it grows from there and you learn so much from these new people. And I love to, to stay open about, you know, meeting people and learning their ways and learning their cultures and, and, and this kind of stuff. So that's always been awesome. But let me tell you, this pandemic has uh, really did, done a number on my, um, yeah, this, this lonely feeling. I, it's just, uh, it's quite, it's quite powerful and it takes a lot of mental strength and, uh, you know, talking to those friends now via Skype or, you know, or whatever, like you, you really need to learn to communicate and reach out and express your true feelings and how, and what you're going through, because believe it or not, everyone's going through the same thing. I know. And, and um, it's, it's great to be able to connect that way 
and, and on an even higher level than you would maybe if you're with someone in real life, in person, face to face. So um, definitely the last two months, I've hit some major lows. Yeah. Major lows. And are you alone I'm, in that? I'm completely alone. Completely alone. Yeah. Completely yeah. alone. So, yeah, definitely, definitely learned a lot about myself. And I think I'm coming out on top now. I can see the light. I can see more of how I've grown over the last two months, but it's just not been easy. Not been easy. Yeah, I think I got on a Zoom chat with a couple of my close friends yesterday and I hadn't done it in a while. Yeah. And I don't know, I think when you're around your family, you all know it's kind of shitty, like this whole situation. And then when you talk to others and you're like, okay, everybody is feeling like this. It makes you, I don't know if it makes you feel better, but you're kind of like, okay, I don't feel like I'm the only one in this. Yeah. Um, I guess just something else I'd love to talk about is, you know, taking your experience, you've played all over Europe, you're now, you've done this FIFA program, you work for UEFA. Where, where do you see women's soccer going, I guess, globally? Because I know for us, we, you know, we're fighting for a lot of things here in the U.S. And I think generally a lot of Europeans actually probably would say that the U.S. is ahead of the game. I don't think people realize that a lot of countries in Europe were far, far behind, unfortunately. Where, I mean, it sounds like things are so positive. So kind of where do you see the transition and where do you hope to kind of see women's soccer go in the next two to three years, I guess? Yeah, I definitely think that the states are pioneers for the women's game, 100%. Everything that the Americans do, the rest of the world tends to follow behind. You know, you guys are fighting for, you know, equal pay. And although you hit a little road bump recently, um, yeah, it's, still, it's still a fight that empowers and inspires the rest of the world. So I think that the Americans are always very highly recognized and respected in this industry, that's for sure, at least for me. Um, but in terms of where women's football is going, I, after the last few years that we've had, you know, everyone's hopes are so high, you know, it's turning into a commercial business. We're starting to make money from it. We're starting to see change. We're starting to see so much interest and you know, we can, we, we can start to create these businesses around the game and, and that's at the end, ultimately, how we're going to professionalize the game and how we're going to make it, you know, sustainable on its own. That being said, I think this pandemic has, you know, taken a hard hit in the women's game and I'm... Uh, a little bit worried about its future. I think people need to invest more into the game now. We need to support our female players and clubs and leagues and not forget about the women's game because it's it's like a crucial time right now for, for um, the direction that we're going to go in after after this pandemic ends. And I hope that you know, obviously FIFA is committed to the funds that they originally committed. They're promising to continue the $1 billion investment in women's football. UEFA will continue to also uh, fund its women's football programs. But 
um, you know, we have to make sure that we don't forget and we don't just cut the women's team or the women's league just because, um, you know, the men's team is struggling. We, I, I don't know. I, I hope, I really have a, a high hopes for, for this and, and wish that we can get out of it in a positive light, but you never know. You never know. This is, this is a yeah. really serious situation that's really hit the entire world and our economy and, you know, at the end of the day, sport is so small in this sense, and it's important that everyone's safe and healthy and, and, and that. So hopefully we can build um, it back up to where it was and, and then go on beyond that. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll have to see. Yeah, I think, you know, not to harp on it, but something you mentioned before, I I've known it because my father's obviously from Europe, so I've been aware of the game out there a bit. But um, I think culturally, too, people don't realize that women are not necessarily encouraged to play sports generally, mm -hmm. especially soccer, um, it being the world sport. And so when you talked about Cyprus, which is not in common in other countries, like you literally may play a league game, a professional league game against someone who's 16 years old. Um, and that may just be because... <laughs> players that are would be 25 like either just stop playing or they never were encouraged to play and um unfortunately there's a lot of countries that are not backing the women's game at all and so anything that exists there is funded individually by people and their passion to kind of help the women's game um i know in cyprus it's been positive as of late luckily the men's side has kind of owned up and started to invest on the women's side a bit but um we always, we've talked, I've talked to a couple Americans about this. And I know from my experience, we always joke, like all these men get drafted and they leave college and everything just gets like a step better. And then for the women, it's kind of like, you miss it. You're like, where's my cold bath? Where's my, my not like 24 seven doctor. You go to wherever in Europe and, and like you said, you're living in a hotel, you may get one meal a day. And you're working as, I mean, I was going to be a bouncer when I was in Norway before I left. Cause I was like, I can't afford to pay for a $45 burger to like yeah. eat every night. Um, so I just think that's a really important perspective to bring up. And um, a lot of people don't know that because, you know, it's easy to write professional athlete on your resume and everyone be like, exactly. wow, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, but I hope you're right in terms of the, the pandemic and people continuing to invest and seeing the game, the game grow. I was a little disappointed to see that they postponed uh, the Euros due to the men. I believe I'm right on that. They, it's 2022 now. Is that when yeah. the Euros will be for women? Correct. But, yeah. So they. But maybe compete. it's good actually in the end because who knows where we're going to be next summer with this. Um, That's true. But yeah. Also. Right. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. For sure. It's uh, it's it's an interesting time right now, and I hope that uh, yeah, we can keep the keep the wave going toward yeah. football. But you never know, and it's exactly it's not glamorous now, but maybe one day it will be. I have good faith it will be. It's just gonna take a lot of patience and time, and and thankfully there's um women like you that have continually played, and and I think that's another thing to mention is. Oftentimes when you're 20 or 21 and you go into these leagues and you don't know anybody and you're from a different country, wherever that may be in the world, a lot of times your perspective comes from the older players and um, 
I mean, you were only what, like 20, maybe 26 or 27 when I came and I was 21 maybe. And like, yeah. I had never experienced anything like that. And and sometimes it's, I hate to say it, but it's humbling and older players like, no, like this is the reality. This is, this is what it's like. And, um, but I think it gives, you know, it, it pushes younger players to continue to play when you see people that are still doing it and pursuing it and doing it, not because they make all this money, but because they have just a real passion for the game. And, um, so kudos to you for continuing to play. I think, especially in Europe, there's a lot of talent that people don't even know exists. And we need to make sure that our 15 year olds or 16 year olds are still having the passion to play, um, and people supporting them through that process. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on. I know you have such a wealth of knowledge. I don't know if I know anyone that has as much experience as you do in, in Europe playing and, and kind of also doing the career stuff and the immersion. So um, I think this will be really insightful for anybody that can listen. Um, so thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. And I mean, if any of your listeners or you have any more questions, I'm happy to be available for you or Perfect. anyone else.